Hey, glad you're here, everybody. Uh, I want to read uh, just a short scripture for us out of John 1, 14. It says this. It says, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This one who lived in heaven and who walked the skies came to the earth uh, to walk the earth to be with us. And this continual story, we're reminded this Christmas season is of God revealing himself and redeeming his people through Christ. So that's what we're thankful for uh, in this day, 2019, all these years later of when Jesus came in the form of a baby um, to make his dwelling among us. So we celebrate that today, this Christmas season. Glad you're here for worship. Let's worship.
beautiful to sing the Lord's praise like that. Let's pray together. I want to read something kind of special to me this week from a friend who wrote this. He says, uh, But then there he was in Bethlehem in the midst of the pain, uh, the dirt, the rejection, and the loneliness a tiny hand holding onto her finger. And suddenly Mary knew that somehow everything was all right. The son of creator God was now wrapped in a tattered cloth nestled in her arms. The one accustomed to walking across the skies would learn to take his first steps under her tender care. Certainly this was not what she'd planned, but there was immeasurable joy to be found in Bethlehem that first Christmas. Isaiah forty-one thirteen says, I, your God, have a firm grip on you, and I'm not letting go. I'm telling you, don't panic. I'm here to help, right here. So, Lord, we thank you that you're here. I think all of us in a season like this, um, whether uh, things are going great or things are not so great, um, it's just busy. December's always kind of a, a lot going on with family and friends and work and um and even amidst all of that, Lord, uh, we're, we come uh, on a Sunday to sit and be still for just a few moments and be reminded of the stillness of your entry to this world, Lord Jesus. And um, thank you that um, thank you for the reminder that uh, your entry to this world is really just a large word that says, I'm here and I have you and I'm not letting go. God, how many of us need that reminder today? Hold on to us, Lord, we pray. That's why we show up to know that you're here again and to know that uh, you can be that powerful in our lives. So we acknowledge you today as the one who has come here to this world, dwelling among us, being made flesh. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you came for us. And thank you for holding on to us, and we'll hold on to you the best way we can. In your name, amen. Amen. God bless you, friends. Again, my name is Billy. I'm uh, the worship pastor here. Really glad you're here for worship today. Uh, hope uh, it's just going to be a great day of, of worship for you. We've got Adam Harbaugh coming up in just a few moments to uh, uh, welcome you and give some announcements today. But before he does that, say hi to somebody around you. Go ahead and tell them Merry Christmas. We can say it this early. Merry Christmas, Hopevale. Oh, that was so weak. Can we do a little bit better than that, maybe? Merry Christmas, Hopevale. All right. Hey, that's awesome. Hey, as Billy said, uh, my name is Adam Harbaugh. I'm one of the pastors here at Hopevale. And just want to extend a special welcome to you if this is your first time here at Hopevale. We're really glad that you've chosen to come and worship with us this morning. And you, uh, you've landed here on a good day because after today's service, we actually have something that we call the staff social, which means there's an opportunity uh, where staff would love the opportunity to meet with you. And so that's going to happen in the hub right after the service. And the hub is a room right off the lobby to my right, your left, next to that spot that's under construction right now. So uh, if you want to join us there after the service, there's going to be some hot cocoa and donuts, I think. Um, Cookies, Christmas cookies. There'll be Christmas cookies there. We just love the opportunity to meet you there and just answer any questions that you might have about Hopevale. You know, we always say 
It can be kind of a big place, a little bit intimidating to know where and how to plug in and get involved, but that's really our heart is to see you find a a place uh, to find a group to belong to or a team to serve on, which kind of makes this big church feel a little bit smaller and more intimate. And so we'd love to have those conversations with you today. And also, as you came in this morning, hopefully you received a program. Uh, If you would be willing to uh, fill out your information on the bottom of that, you can either drop that in the offering in a couple minutes or bring that to the hub after the service, and we would have a special gift for you uh, there if you do that. So looking forward to meeting you. Uh, We also wanted to give an update on our Bay City Campus Pastor Search. Uh, Nate Murray and his family are coming next weekend for a candidating visit weekend. And so we wanted to share that information with you here in Saginaw. Number one, so that you would be able to just be in prayer for that process. Prayer for the Murray family as they discern the Lord's leading in their own lives for uh, whether or not they land here with us to lead our Bay City campus. So an exciting season that we're in right now and just want to uh, ask you to pray with us through that process. And if you uh, are you know, normally here in Saginaw but would be interested in going to Bay City next week to hear directly from Nate and to meet he and his family, you're more than welcome to do that next Sunday as well. Well, hey, as we said, Christmas is coming, right? And so I wanted to give a brief overview of what that weekend is going to look like. So first of all, on Sunday, December 22nd, that's our normal Sunday morning service time. And then our Christmas services are Monday and Tuesday, the 23rd and 24th. So uh, different times for those. There's the slide on the screens behind me right now. Uh, It's a lot of information to capture, especially when you're trying to make plans and invite family and friends. And so what we've actually done is printed all of that information on little business cards. And so those are at the Welcome Center. If you want to stop by there today to get that for yourself and also something that you can take to work or around your neighborhood and just invite family and friends to, to come and join us during our Christmas services as well, we would encourage you to do that. And hey, uh, as part of our Christmas services, we over the years have taken what we call the Christmas outreach offering as part of those services. And this is actually going to be our 10th year of giving to this over and above opportunity to give this offering where it's intended to be all for others to bless people in our community and around the world in the name of Jesus. And uh, over the years, we've given well over a million dollars to that fund. And it has just written so many incredible stories of impact and life change for Christ over the years. And so we're excited to give towards that again this year. And in the coming weeks, we'll also be sharing uh, five specific global missions opportunities that we'll be giving towards this year as part of that as well. So we're really excited about that and just encourage you in the coming weeks to be in prayer about how the Lord might lead you to give to that offering this year. Um, Having said all that, I know that's a lot of information to capture. Hopefully we've given you enough places to to follow up and find more information along the way. But I want to invite the ushers to come forward as we prepare to give. And really just want to take a moment to share a couple stories about how the Christmas Outreach Offering has been put to use in this past year. You know, all of our giving throughout the year goes to make so many, uh, such an impact in people's lives for Christ. Uh, But that Christmas outreach offering, it allows our groups here at Hopevale to access those funds 
for ministry right where the Lord has placed them in their lives. And even in this past week, I've had a number of requests where groups are saying, hey, you know, somebody in my group has this coworker who's going through a hard time, and we'd like to get some funds to be able to bless them this Christmas season so that they can put some food on the table or give gifts to their kids this year, maybe pay consumers' bills and things like that. And those are just, you know, very small stories and examples of how our generosity goes uh, to equip this church to make a difference locally. And so thank you so much for your generosity. Thank you so much to be uh, just a church that has your eyes open for the needs of others in our community and responding to that. And so our giving today is one of those opportunities that we have to respond to God's goodness and blessing in our own lives so that we can give back to him so that he can continue to impact other people through our giving. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for today. Uh, the opportunity that we have to gather here in your presence as a people who just want to acknowledge how much we need you. God, how much we uh, desire to follow you with our lives and to come to uh, a service like this to be surrounded by others in that same pursuit. And so God, may uh, this morning just be encouraging to each and every one of us as we sing your praises, God, things about uh, your nature, your character, who you are and how much you have done for us. God, in a little bit, we'll hear uh, from your word. And Lord, we just ask that uh, you would cut us to the heart with what you want to communicate to us today. Lord, may your spirit uh, speak to us in our lives in very uh, deep and personal ways today as we are encouraged to follow you uh, more and more closely with our lives. So God, as we give today, uh, may this offering be received in uh, a way that would just bring glory to you. God, that we would just give up a part of ourselves in any sense that we have of ownership over the gifts that you have entrusted us with. God, and as, that, as we give those things back to you, uh, that you would just uh, expand on that in a way far beyond how we could uh, ever imagine Lord, and that the stories that are written, whether it's in this room this morning or out in the community during the week, uh, that more and more people would come uh, face to face with who you are. God, a loving God, our Savior, who desires to have a relationship with us. Lord, you have done so much for us this morning. And so may our praise and, and offerings and all that we have come to give you this morning uh, just be a sweet offering to your presence, God. We love you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And thanks, Adam. Hey, just remain seated for just a few moments while we give, and we'll get you up in just a little bit. We're going to sing this song that was uh, just a big hit here at Hopevale in the Christmas season uh, last year called Here Comes Heaven. It's a very powerful worship song. I hope it's something that reminds you of the glory of God and the glory of Christ in your life. Let's worship together.
that's saying glory in the highest uh, when you were born. And uh, thank you for the reminder uh, this season of peace, the reminder of joy, 
the reminder of being um, just having giving giving spirits and um, thank you Lord that um, in this kind of a season you remind us of of heaven and you remind us of home and um, so Lord on this day we pray for Pastor Sam as he prepares to come he's been meeting with you all week and trying to see what you'd like uh, your people to hear from your scriptures so we ask that uh, you'd bless him now as he is uh, just moments away from sharing so thank you Lord uh, for today and we ask your continued blessing as we seek you out and as we listen to your word in your name everybody. What an awesome time of worship together that was. It's so great to be here today. I'm Sam. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. Hey, isn't it good that we don't have to worry about the weather today to get to church? <laughs> Especially those of you worshiping in Bay City. Uh, last week we had to, uh, to cancel our services there because of the weather, but not today. So we're excited that you're here with us today. This is uh, week two of our Christmas series titled Good News, Great Joy, and it comes from what the angel told those shepherds who were watching their fields, uh, watching their flocks out in the fields at night, and they were terrified when they saw this angel, but the angel said to them, look at this, Luke chapter two, the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and that is what we're talking about this month, this good news that causes great joy for all the people. So last week we took a look at this question, um, what is joy? What is joy? And we tried to, to separate these two concepts of experiencing joy and feeling happiness. Is there a difference between the two? And so I used a little chart to help us understand this, and I want to kind of walk through this really quickly, okay? So here it is, every single one of us goes through experiences in our life. And here's what happiness is. Happiness is, um, we said last week, it comes from this word that means lucky or favored by fortune. And when we have these experiences in our life, we get either lucky or unlucky. And if we're lucky, we can experience the feeling, the elation of happiness. But if we're unlucky, if the experience does not favor us, then we have the feeling of sadness. We're kind of unlucky in that situation. But what we said last week was that the difference between happiness and joy is that happiness is this feelings-oriented thing, but joy is actually um, an outset or a mindset that we, we take into our experiences. It's actually a disposition of favor. It's this outlook on my life that says, I'm going to have favor as I walk through life. And it's not based on my experiences. It's not based on me. It's actually based on Jesus. And so what we said is that we take joy into our experiences with us. And no matter what happens in that experience, we can have joy on the other side because of Jesus. And this is actually what those angels were announcing to the shepherds, that this is good news that causes great joy. 
Well, before we get too far into this morning where I want us to head, I want to clear something up that I got asked a couple times after last week's message. What I got asked was this. The question went something like this. Not the exact question, but it went something like this. So are we just trying to get rid of the feelings then and the emotions then? And my simple and short answer is no. My longer answer goes something like this. God gave us these feelings called happiness, sadness, anger, frustration, excitement. It's, it's what it means to be human. It's what it means to be created as a human being. We have these emotions. And he doesn't want us to negate those emotions. In fact, I think Jesus serves as a really great example for us. The, uh, the night that he was um, going to be crucified that next morning, the, the Bible tells us that he was in the garden praying, and he was praying in anguish and anxiety over what was about to unfold. See, Jesus right there is experiencing the emotion of his situation, but Hebrews 12 tells us that in that same moment for the joy set before him, he chose to endure the cross. And so right there, side by side, is the experience of joy, but also the feelings that go along with the situation that he's in, that you can actually experience joy and feel things like sadness, anger, anxiety, all of those things. Things because joy isn't an emotion. Joy is a choice. It's a mindset. It's an outlook on my life. And so what we're, we're not talking about getting rid of the feelings and getting rid of the emotions. What we're talking about is this. What are you chasing? What are you pursuing? What are you building your life on? If your aim is, is the ultimate pursuit of happiness in this life, that I, I want to I feel like I can get lucky and feel happy for my life, then you're going to miss out on the good news that will cause great joy that these angels announced to the shepherds. But Jesus came to, to give us a new outlook on life, a new mindset of favor where he is the focal point of our joy, where, where truly, as Nehemiah wrote in the Old Testament, that the joy of the Lord is your strength. And because of this new outlook, this new mindset where I can, I can choose joy when I go through hard or sad or difficult situations in life, I no longer need to feel like I'm a prisoner to my emotions in the middle of them. I can give my emotions their rightful place in my life, and I can still choose joy. And one of those places that seems to be so filled with tension in our journey in life is this roadblock called uncertainty. Uncertainty. Have you ever noticed that as you get older and older in life, you become less and less certain of things? You ever realize that? Like, you know, as you get older, you become less certain. Some of us would like to call that um, being cynical in life. And others of us would want to put a more positive twist on it and say, no, no, no that's called discernment. Um, but it, it's, just, it's just true. The, the things that you would have never questioned, never doubted, never gave a second thought to, as you grow older and gain new information, all of a sudden become less and less certain. And there are funny examples of this. There are not so funny examples of this. One of the a funny example for me just happened a couple weeks ago. Um, our family was driving to Ohio, that state down south, um, to go visit my wife's family for Thanksgiving. And my wife Sarah was driving, and she put her headphones in because she wanted to listen to a podcast because the movie that they were watching was driving her nuts. So she's driving, and I see her do this, and I like flip out on her. And I'm like, you can't do that. And she just gives me this side look, like, what are you talking about? And I said, well, in July, I read a, a post on Facebook 
that somebody from Hopevale posted. Um, <laughs> you know who you are. No, I'm just kidding. Um, that said, there's these new laws coming to Michigan about how we use our phones in our cars. Laws like you can't um, take your phone out while you're like driving its hands-free. When you're at the stop stoplight, you can't look at your phone. And one of those new laws that was in this thing was that like you can't wear both headphones. You can only wear one in when you're driving. And it's against the law. And she looks at me again. She's like, what? You better look that up. And so, you know, because of technology today, I could. I Googled that question. And the very first thing that pops up at the front is like, there is no such law in Michigan that says any of this. <laughs> For the past six months, I have been living like this in fear of getting pulled over because I want to put my headphones in. So I'm like, nope, can't do that. I'm going to get a ticket. Can't do that. I've been living that way. And now I come to realize that, no, this is not true. This is another one of those things that people put on Facebook that makes me mad. So, and you know those things, right? Like, and, and it's like, it's like email forwards back in the day. If you don't forward, like, ugh. But anyway, so nowadays what I do, like after I learned this two weeks ago, I just put my headphones in. They're not even connected to my phone. I'm not listening to anything. I just put them in because I can. So... But it really has caused me to like pause when I read something on Facebook now and go, really? Is that really true? I'm not sure. I think, I'm not so certain about this stuff anymore. And you're probably thinking to yourself, Sam, you should have been doing that anyway. It's Facebook. <laughs> you know, we all deal with a level of uncertainty at some point in our lives of things that we used to feel so certain of. Things like, you know, the news is going to tell us the unbiased truth. And now we're not so sure, right? Or maybe you were like me and you thought before you had kids and you would watch like other parents in the grocery store with their kids and you thought, well, that's never going to be me. <laughs> in fact, I'm going to follow my idealistic thinking and I'm going to be the perfect parent. And then reality sets in when you have kids that, oh, I am that parent. Those are my kids, right? <laughs> or uh, how we, we all knew the answers to life's biggest questions when we were younger, right? But now, the longer we live, the more we say the words, I don't know. I was just there the other day. My daughter asked me a question, and at 24-year-old Sam would have been like, oh, well, really, let me sit down and explain this to you. I'm looking at her going, I don't know, honey. I have no idea. I thought I knew, but I don't know, you know. Or we say things like, I have a plan, and things are going to go according to that plan. Enough said, right? <laughs> or I'm going to get my fairy tale happily ever after life, and now we're not so sure that even really exists. So thanks, Disney. Or on a, a more serious note, you know, maybe some of us were absolutely certain that we never would have doubt or disbelief when it came to our faith in God. But life happened, and it threw you for a loop on this one. Or maybe your mantra used to be, God is for me, with an exclamation point. But now, as you've grown older, maybe it's more like, God is for me, with a question mark. Or if I can get really brutally honest here for a second for some of you, is that church used to be a safe place for you, where you could come in and you could just be who you are. But now, because of certain experiences that you've gone through, you're not quite sure that's true anymore. Uncertainty can be so unsettling, especially for Western American Christians. And the reason is because we live in this information, fact-based culture where there are very few things that can be stamped with the brand absolute truth. 
And if it is, it has to be fully backed up with empirical data that never contradicts itself, that has been fully vetted and fully tested. But we feel like we need certainty and need to be able to rationally explain things. Author and Bible professor Pete Enns says it like this. He says, the stumbling block here is our modern Western rational mindset, which has put on a golden throne the human capacity for rational thinking, our ability to know and explain our reality through our thoughts. See, here's what happens with uncertainty. Uncertainty happens when my experience goes, in, goes directly in conflict with my ability to rationally know or explain something that I believe or that I believed to be true. I, I have these, these thoughts and ideas and I can explain it all and then experience happens, life happens, and it goes completely contradictory to what I say I know I believe or what I think. And all of a sudden I'm left with uncertainty. And we all deal with uncertainty at some point. So the question is, can you find joy in the middle of uncertainty? Can you find joy in the middle of uncertainty? Well, if you have a copy of the scriptures, a physical or digital one, I want to invite you to take them and open them up to Luke chapter 1 in the New Testament. Luke chapter 1. This is the prelude to the story of Christmas, the birth of Jesus. This is the stuff that happened beforehand. And we're going to encounter a young teenage girl, a young teenage Jewish girl with, with big dreams and big hopes and big plans for her life. She's engaged to be married. She's got the rest of her life looking, in, looking forward to her. She's, she's so excited about what life is about to bring. She's like, yes, life. But then <laughs> she had those plans suddenly interrupted and was left with a little bit of uncertainty over how the rest of her life was going to play out. So Luke chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 26. Look what it says. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. A couple things. Let's go back to that verse real quick here. A couple things I want to point out real quickly. Um, the angel Gabriel, he's a big part of Luke chapter 1. You're going to see his name over and over and over again. So that's something big. Second thing is the, the name Elizabeth. Elizabeth is actually a relative of Mary's. And if you go backwards in Luke chapter 1 to the beginning of the story, um, Elizabeth and her husband Zechariah, who's a, a priest, um, were visited by this same angel Gabriel. Gabriel comes to Zechariah and says, you're going to have a son. Now Elizabeth and Zechariah are really old. They're really old. And Elizabeth was considered barren. She never had kids, wasn't able to have kids. And the angel tells Zechariah, you're going to have kids, which I think is kind of hilarious <laughs> that they waited till now to tell him that because I can't imagine Elizabeth chasing a baby in diapers. But, but that is who this is. And she's a relative of Mary's and she becomes a very important part of Mary's story later on. Let's go back to the, the story of Mary. Verse 28. The angel went to her, went to Mary and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Look at Mary's response. She doesn't say, woohoo, I won the sweepstakes. This is great. She was greatly troubled, greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And you would have thought Mary would have been like, oh my goodness, this is such amazing news. 
But Mary responds back this way. She says, how will this be? How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel announces this life-changing, life-altering news to Mary. And if, if it were you and me, we would be just as bewildered as she was. She answers, how can this be? And then basically says this, this doesn't make any logical or even biological sense. I may be young, but I know how it works. And what isn't recorded here, what isn't recorded here are all the little subtle emotional questions that Mary may have been thinking and pondering to herself in those moments. Questions like, well, what about my life? What about my life? You know, I had plans. I had dreams. I'm engaged. Like, what's going to happen here? Questions like, what are my, what are my parents going to think if they find out? What, what's the town going to think when they find out? What's Joseph, my fiance, going to think when I tell him? This is all going to sound a little far-fetched to everybody. An angel came to visit me and told me this. That's what happened. They're going to go, right, Mary? <laughs> right. I mean, you could just imagine Mary's head spinning as she says these words. How can this be? I don't I have no idea what you're talking about. This doesn't make any sense. I can't explain this to anybody. It's not logical at all. The, uh, the angel says to her, the Holy Spirit, he answers her, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And then look what he says. The, it, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month for no word from God will ever fail. And so here's Mary going, is that true even? Elizabeth, like she knows Elizabeth, she's like, is that, is that true? She's pregnant, like what, what's going on here? This is all sounding so strange and so weirdly Old Testament familiar about how God used to do some things back then. Like I didn't think that happened anymore. Like what's going on here? And so this is Mary's response back to the angel. She says, I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, may your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. This news literally throws Mary into a little bit of a tailspin. <laughs> and the reason we know that is because then Mary, immediately after this, goes to her relative, Elizabeth, and to Zechariah's house, and she lives with her for three months. Three months. My guess is that she thinks or even knows that Elizabeth is going to be the only person who's going to understand what's going on and where she's coming from, because Elizabeth is experiencing something very similar. And, you know, we don't know, but it might actually be during these three months that Mary is with Elizabeth that Joseph is struggling with his own bout of uncertainty that's recorded in Matthew chapter 1. It says that he, he had this moment where he's like, I, I love Mary, but i got to do the right thing, and maybe I'm supposed to divorce her. And, and so he struggles with that too, and you can read that story in Matthew chapter 1. And Joseph has to trust that, that this is going to be true, that this is going to be something that, that's going to all work out, and he takes a step of faith after he has a dream and an angel comes and talks to him. But going back to Mary's story, Luke 139 actually tells her, tells of her encounter with Elizabeth and the confidence that, that her encounter with Elizabeth actually brings Mary about her situation. It says this, at that time Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? 
As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Can you imagine Mary's response? She's had this weird encounter with this angel. She's had her whole life thrown upside down. She's going to visit her relative Elizabeth. She says, hi, Elizabeth, and this is the greeting she gets. Elizabeth has zero idea because Mary hasn't told her yet what happened, and yet here she is saying all this stuff. And it gives Mary comfort and confidence in the midst of her uncertainty about her life and her situation. And because of this interaction, Mary decides to make a huge decision. She decides, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to trust God. And even if she doesn't know the outcome of what's about to happen, even if she can't explain it rationally, she chooses to trust God. And she writes a song that actually helps us understand where she's coming from with this trust. Look at the very first part of this song. I love it. Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. If you want to read the rest of that song, it's, it's uh, the, in the rest of Luke chapter 1. It's a beautiful song. And Mary is actually likely referencing Old Testament scripture, especially the story of Hannah, where she found out that she was going to have a child after being barren for many years, and she calls him Samuel because she, the word Samuel means asked of God, and she asks God literally for a son, and he gives it to her. And Hannah, after that encounter, wrote a, a beautiful song praising God for his blessing in her life. And Mary's song sounds a lot like Hannah's song. And I mean, maybe here, here's the deal. Maybe Mary was confused, doubting, wondering what in the world is going on. So she goes to Elizabeth, and Elizabeth is, is trying to help her understand all of this. But maybe, just maybe Elizabeth, while they're sitting down, reminds her of the story of Hannah and saying, man, doesn't this all sound so familiar? Doesn't this sound like that story? Or maybe Mary's sitting in the synagogue, and she has all of this stuff whirling around inside of her head, and the scripture reading from that day comes from 1 Samuel. And it's this story, and Mary's going, oh my goodness. We don't know exactly what it was, but for whatever the reason, Mary goes back to scripture to draw strength and encouragement from. And then she writes her own song about her own life and her own trust in God. Mary chooses to trust God, and in doing so, she finds joy. Her soul rejoices. And I think Mary's story and Mary's song teaches us something so very important about our bouts with uncertainty. She teaches us that you can still choose to trust God and find joy even if you don't have 100% clarity or certainty. She teaches us that in the middle of uncertainty, choosing trust leads to experiencing joy. And so the question is, what do we do with this? How can we practically put into action what we have learned from Mary? Well, I think we need to do two things. I think the first thing is this. I think we need to let go of having it all figured out. I think we need to let go of having it all figured out. But isn't that the temptation? Isn't that the temptation? I mean, isn't that the struggle? The, the reason that we struggle so hard with uncertainty is because there's just this odd sense of comfort and being able to control it, right? I think we tell ourselves that if we can just somehow figure it all out, then we can control the outcome. But the truth is that we can't realistically do either of those things. We can't have it all figured out, 
And we certainly can't control the outcome of things. And so finding joy in uncertainty starts with letting go of, not doubling down on having it all figured out. I mean, think about it. Some of the people that Jesus had his roughest encounters with and his harshest words for were people who had it all figured out. And he told them, you know what? You don't even know the heart of God. You have it all figured out, but you don't know, how, know the heart of God in this. I mean, these same people killed the Son of God quoting the Old Testament. They had it all figured out. Here's the truth, guys. God isn't asking us to have it all rationally figured out in life. He's asking us to have faith in him. Listen to the way the Apostle Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians 2, 1 and 2. This is what he said to them. He said, and so it was with me, brothers and sisters. When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now here's the deal. Paul's a really smart guy. He's a really smart guy, a really intelligent guy. Yet he says, I decided to know nothing except for Jesus Christ and him crucified while I was with you. You know, I'm sure there were things that were really hard for Paul to logically and rationally make sense of when it came to following Jesus. I mean, think about Paul for a second. He was a staunch enemy of Christianity before his conversion. And he had every right to be based on his understanding of the Hebrew scriptures, his religious upbringing, and his personal experiences up until that point. But then he meets Jesus, and he, everything changes. And the undeniable in his life overshadowed the unexplainable. He let go of trying to explain it all, and he put his faith in Christ. See, God isn't asking us to have it all rationally figured out. He's asking us to have faith in him. And faith is the combination of belief, but it's also a step of trust as well, belief and trust. And we can begin to experience joy and uncertainty when we begin to let go of having it all figured out and begin to lean on our faith in Jesus. And then the second thing is this, train yourself to trust. Train yourself to trust. But isn't trusting difficult? Isn't trusting difficult? I mean, isn't that the last thing we really want to hear when we're facing uncertainty? Someone like me telling us to double down on our trust? You just got to trust more, right? And I know this sounds completely counterintuitive, but I just want you to go with, here, with me here for a second. Maybe the antidote for uncertainty isn't certainty. Maybe the antidote for uncertainty isn't certainty. Maybe the antidote to uncertainty is actually trust. It's actually trust. You know, maybe the answer to the unexplainable in our lives isn't figuring out how to explain it. But rather, it's in trusting God even though you can't explain it. In John chapter 9, there's this story of Jesus who, who heals uh, a man that was born blind. And the religious leaders hated this because Jesus did it on the Sabbath day. And they go up to this blind man, this man that was born blind, and they say, oh, they just over and over again interrogate him. And they're like, what happened? What happened? Who is this guy? Who is this guy? And I just want you to hear the interaction between these religious leaders and this man. It says, the second time they summoned the man who had been born blind, give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner, this Jesus who came and healed you. What happened? Explain it to us. 
He replied to them, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind and now I see. I was blind and now I see. This man couldn't explain it all to him. He's like, I don't know. This morning I woke up blind. This guy came up to me, spit in the mud, put it on my face, told me to go wash, and now I can see. I don't know the answers to all your questions, but the evidence is literally staring me in the face for the first time in my entire life. Trust isn't learning. Uh, trust is learning not to let the unexplainable in your life overshadow the undeniable in your life. He's saying, I don't know. I can't explain it, but I can't deny it. I can't deny what, what just happened in my life. So maybe the answer to the unexplainable in our life isn't trying to explain it. But maybe it's trusting in the undeniable that God is doing in your life. Maybe it's taking a step and trusting. That's what Mary did. She couldn't explain all of it, but she couldn't deny what was happening in her life. And so she was saying, I'm going to hang on to that. And I'm going to trust God. And I'm going to allow that trust to bring me joy, even in the middle of, I can't explain it and I can't figure it out. And we train ourselves to trust by saying things like, you know, even though it doesn't make sense, I will trust in Jesus. Even though I can't see it, I'll trust in Jesus. Even though it's hard to believe, I'll trust in Jesus. In Mark chapter 9, a man comes to Jesus and he asks him if he can heal his son. His son is possessed by a demon and throwing himself into fire and all this kind of stuff. And he says, if you can heal him, would you do that? And I want you to listen to this exchange between Jesus and this man because I think we learn a lot of what it means to train ourselves to trust God in uncertainty from this exchange. He says, if you can, would you heal him? And Jesus says to him, if you can, everything is possible for one who believes. And the man says this, immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe help me overcome my unbelief. I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. This man right here represents to us what it looks like to trust God in the midst of uncertainty. He says, I do believe. There it is, trust. But then he says, help me overcome my unbelief. There's uncertainty. In the middle of uncertainty, choosing trust leads to experiencing joy. And if you're here this morning and uncertainty is plaguing you this Christmas season, I think what Mary would want to say to us, I think what Paul would want to say to us, I think what the blind man and the father of this child that was healed would want to say to us, and ultimately what Jesus is saying to us is this, in the middle of uncertainty, choose to trust God. And so maybe in the quiet of your heart as, as we pray right now, and the band's going to come out, maybe the step you need to take today is maybe... You just need to pray the words that that father said to Jesus. Maybe the prayer of your heart, the, the, the time you spend between you and God here this morning or maybe even later today or this week is saying these words to God. God, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. God, I'm going through uncertainty right now, but I'm going to put my trust in you. I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Choose trust. Because choosing trust leads to experiencing the good news that causes great joy. Let's pray together. God, we, um, we know that um, uncertainty is just a part of life. And a lot of us have, have gone through moments, seasons, maybe even what feels like lifetimes sometimes of uncertainty. And God, you, you've 
given us story after story and after story in the, your scriptures of people who went through uncertain times in their life but yet chose trust in the middle of it. They chose to trust you. God, I, I just, I love Mary's story that she gets her life flipped upside down and yet in the middle of it, she can't deny what you're doing. And so she chooses to trust God and she chooses to rejoice and she chooses to have joy in the middle of her uncertainty because she chose trust. God, I pray that that would be our experience. That in the midst of um, seasons and situations where we experience uncertainty, even as unsettling as it is, God, I pray that we would, even though we can't explain it, even though it doesn't make sense, God, that we would take a step of trust in you and your son Jesus and that we would allow what is undeniable, what you're doing in our life to overshadow what is unexplainable. And God, may that step of trust lead to living a life of good news and great joy. So God, I pray for um, any one of my friends here this morning who may be wrestling with this thing called uncertainty. God, I pray that you would give them the courage and the strength to take a step of trust. God, may their story be like that father's story where he says, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. And I pray that you would help them in the midst of that, that maybe they don't get the answers they look for, but they get the undeniable. And so God, I pray to that end. And we pray to that end in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, one of the things that I love about Mary's story is that even in the midst of her uncertainty, she chose to praise. She chose to sing and write a song and rejoice. And so that's how we're going to wrap up our our service this morning. We're going to stand together. We're going to sing a song of joy to the world because we are going to rejoice even in the midst of uncertainty. So let's stand together and let's sing together.
You know, it's been my prayer all week that as we face moments, seasons of doubt, uncertainty, whatever, that something God would nudge you today to do would be just take a step and say, I can't explain it, but I'm going to trust anyway. I'm going to trust in the God who created me, who loved me, who sent his son Jesus for me. And so as we leave here today, may you go trusting in the powerful name of Jesus and let the joy of the Lord be your strength. Thanks so much for being here today.